0: Alright there folks, my name's Ian Loring, welcome to Cinerama, hope you're doing well. Coming up this week, uh, the two last big heavy hitters for this year's awards season arrive in the UK, and I take a look at David Finch's uh, hugely anticipated by myself film, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and the not as anticipated by myself film but featuring some acting heavyweights uh, with Doubt. I'll also, as a prelude to my review of Friday the 13th next week, I will be taking a look at the documentary His Name Was Jason, 30 Years of Friday the 13th. Um, What there won't be this week though um, is the first part in the Hitchcock Marathon. Yes, I know, I know, I know, but I've got a good excuse amazingly it is actually on uk tv uh this coming week so i'm thinking i'm just going to watch it on tv it'll probably be better quality than how i'd watch it otherwise and it also means that you, folks in the uk can set their um pvrs or or whatever to um to tape it so it's on channel 4 on wednesday afternoon at i believe uh 25 to 2 it is somewhere around there anyway so uh if you could if you uh tape it you can watch it and then uh it, it easily and then you can uh join in on the uh, discussion so uh yeah my apologies but you know i think i've got a good reason um There'll also be movie news listener feedback and trailer talk okay you can uh email uh podcast at yahoo dot co dot u k you can uh re- reviews on itunes uh would be muchly appreciated as our votes on podcast alley you can follow me uh, on twitter at twitter dot com forward slash ian Loring that's all one word and you can read me during the week at the rattle dot co dot u k where i have a weekly dvd column i also post reviews and uh do a few things about news items as well okay so let's kick things off with uh brad pitt starring in an epic romance technological feast hurricane katrina linking uh film yes random isn't it the uh the curious case of benjamin button I know who's coming for you. Go back for a moment. Take your mind off back. What? God's God, man. <gasps> Affirmity's not of a newborn, but of a man well in his 80s on his way to the grave. He's dying? Of old age. Oh, God in heaven. He looks just like my ex-husband. My name is Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin Button. How old are you? Seven. But I look a lot older. God bless you. He's seven. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin. This is my granddaughter Daisy. Are you sick? They said I was going to die soon, but maybe not. So, then, our lead review for this week is The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, rather obviously, and uh, it is directed by David Fincher and stars Brad Pitt, Kate Blanchett, Taraji P. Henson, Jason Fleming, Julia Ormond, and Elias Coteus. Okay, uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button is based on the short story of the same name by F. Scott Fitzgerald and concerns Benjamin Button, uh, played uh, by Brad Pitt and a couple of other people. Um, a man who, well, a person who is born as uh, baby-sized but with the uh, kind of body of a, uh 80-something old man. Um, He soon finds that as he grows older, his appearance grows younger, as such. And he finds himself uh, having quite the life, uh, going on all sorts of adventures, and uh, crisscrossing with the love of his life, Daisy, played by Kate Blanchett. So, (laughs) before we all knew about this film, if I was to, like sell that synopsis to you and you were to dire- guess the director, I'm pretty sure your guess would be far away from David Fincher. Um, the infant of uh, Hollywood, whose uh, previous films include um, such highs as uh, Fight Club um, 7 and his last film Zodiac, and uh, such supposed lows as Alien 3, even though I think there's actually quite a bit to admire about that film. Um, the curious case of Benjamin Button is about as far and away from a David Fincher esque film as you could possibly get, especially when you look at the trailer full of warm colours um lovely images really, and uh just not really finchery type stuff. Uh, but it obviously has worked for him, uh, the film has taken over 100 million dollars at the US box office despite a running time of nearly 3 hours, and it has 13 Oscar nominations and I believe 11 BAFTA nominations, so, um, obviously a lot of people like it, but reviews on the net have been mixed, um, so the real question, um, coming from a real Fincher fan as I, as I am, um, why is there this disappointment is it even justified and uh, just how good is the curious case of benjamin button now i think it's fairly obvious where this disappointment comes from and that is pretty much in the fact that this is just so unlike any other david fincher film you've ever seen that the cinematography is rather golden um there's a, a ridiculously striking similarity to Forrest Gump throughout, which again is not a very Finchery film, and it, in the end, I've got to say, is not nearly as satisfying as I've found a lot of his films in the past. While I don't think it's the misstep that some people think it is. There are some serious problems with Benjamin Button but before I get to them I should really talk about the positives of the film. Um, This film is one of the greatest technical achievements that I think has ever been made in Hollywood and the sole reason for this is the depiction of Benjamin Button. Right from pretty much the start, at least after his initial really really small old man baby stage. It does look like Brad Pitt, but obviously isn't Brad Pitt. Um, It really is quite extraordinary how I think they must have got either child actors or maybe midget actors and then CG'd Brad Pitt's face, but morphed with the kind of a face of an old man in there. It, It really is unlike anything you've ever seen before and is incredibly startling. But it's not just him as an old man which is which impresses um towards the end of the film there's a scene where uh you see benjamin button with the look of an 18 year old and it really does just look as if they got brad pitt from 10 or 15 years ago and 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 like teleported him and put him in this film it is absolutely remarkable and there's none of the kind of creepiness of, like, the motion capture films with it. The eyes actually don't look dead. They've really done some solid work on that. And it, it's absolutely... I mean, it's It's incredible. And um, they, they do they do some good work to Kate Blanchett as well. I think she's mainly through prosthetics, uh, even though Benjamin Martin is for uh, a, a, a portion of the film, at least. But saying this... Um, there's also some terrific, um, CG for her, um, in her younger days, and I mean, it does look like they've actually taken a good 10, 15, 20 years off Kate Blanchett's face, and I mean, just as a, as a visual effects and makeup achievement, the film's absolutely unrivaled by anything this year, in my opinion, um, but... The the fact that that's the most impressive element of the film is what disappoints me. Um, Fincher actually steps a little bit over the border of self-indulgence with this film, and arguably for the first time in his career, um, as the film runs two hours 45 minutes but is far too long for it now i don't mind long films donna and i watched the director's cut of zodiac which runs to around about the same length a couple of weeks ago and you know that film was just gripping from start to finish There didn't really feel like anything you could actually cut out of that film but with benjamin button there's a lot that could be cut out and i'm wondering whether um fincher had quite a tight post-production schedule what with the visual effects work and Actually, I must go back to that for a second, because it's rather telling that for the last 20 minutes or so of the film, Benjamin Button isn't actually played by Brad Pitt. I've heard rumours that they couldn't get the CG to work that well, so that it could be Brad Pitt's face kind of morphed into a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old and whatnot, but it's a bit of a disappointment that it's not him, because it is rather jarring, especially considering that this section of the film is probably the most emotional section of the film but you haven't got the lead character you've had for the previous two and a half hours or so to identify with so um, unfortunately it doesn't strike as much as you'd like it to I mean it's still what the content is still kind of gets you going emotionally but there's just a little bit missing and I believe it is just the fact that it's not Brad Pitt anyway um going back to the the uh, the length of the film um the thing is there's a fair bit of fat on ben button as a film and i think i can pretty much mark out exactly the the elements that i i i would want cutting out really as two characters in the film have almost no effect on ben button whatsoever and there is there is a complaint which i do agree with to a point that Ben Button doesn't ever actually express any real emotion as a character, that I think this is where a lot of people complain that the film's emotionally cold, but I'm not too sure about that myself, I think Pitt's performance imbues him with enough warmth and general niceness that it kind of gets over most of these hurdles, but um, without wanting to spoiler, one character well i may as well just say actually because he's introduced right at the start of the film ben button's dad played by jason fleming uh disappears from his life for a large portion of the time and does a very despicable thing at the start of the film but then he comes back into ben's life and ben barely bats an eyelid he just kind of takes it on the chin and gets on with it which seems just wrong really and um but more annoying is the whole section with Tilda Swinton as a bored wife of a spy who starts having an affair with Benjamin. Swinton's performance is good uh, in what is more more like an extended cameo, really. Um, she's a little one note, but there's a lot of sadness to her performance, which uh, which does feel rather believable, it must be said. But her character has no effect on Ben Button whatsoever. He, uh, she has no effect on his future relationship with Daisy, um, and she never really teaches Ben anything. There's, like, a ten-second moment towards the end of the film where her arc gets resolved, but you don't really care for her character. It's nice what happens, but it's a good 15, 20 minutes of, the, of a long film which could have been cut out to make a far more concise film. And... Um, considering this is coming from david fincher a man who knows how to tell a story well um this is disappointing um though i must say that the the comparisons to forrest gump and whatnot are there but they didn't annoy me half as much as they they as they've annoyed a lot of people um I, i i you know just because benjamin button is a nice guy you know he's not exactly retarded i think a lot of people are mistaking the fact that he's got a southern accent accent for some sort of mental retardation which uh i don't know i think is quite dangerous really but um it, it, the 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 adventures that ben goes on um throughout most of the film i did really quite like i i really liked the uh the trawler boat section i thought that was great fun and um yeah i mean the things involving him generally are very entertaining but then you've also got these kind of bookend sequences and they're kind of interspersed throughout with julia Ormond and a heavily made up kate blanchett on her deathbed and that's not a spoiler it's obvious from the start which uh is in the film really to uh fulfill one plot point which i won't spoil here but a you could kind of it's telegraphed from the start really b this section's really not that interesting and c you could just cut it out altogether and it wouldn't have an effect on the film itself. Um, You know, and that that would be another good 10-15 minutes you could cut out. Um, So, I mean, instead of having a 2 hour 45 film which drags a bit, you could have had a 2 hour 10 film which uh, really could have packed a punch. On to the performances. Uh, Brad Pitt is good, though a little one note, but the screenplay does not help him. Um, But... You know, he's he's charming, he's nice, he's warm, he's all the stuff he needs to be. Kate Blanchett plays the uh, almost unattainable girl next door pretty much perfectly. Um, she even convinces as uh, a 20-something-year-old, and uh, that's something you can't say for a lot of older actresses. I mean, I can only really remember her and Samantha Morton in Control, who very effectively played a 16-year-old at uh, the start of that film. Um, So R.G.P. Henson is, um, good, uh, as, uh, Benjamin's adopted mother, Queenie, um, uh, the, the rolling years, uh, played very effectively in her performance, both physically and in, in, like, her performance itself, um, I suppose those are the three real main players, to be honest with you, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it is a generally solid cast. So, the curious case of Benjamin Button, um, many were expecting a masterpiece what we have got instead is just a a very good film there are some serious problems with it in terms of its length and some of its content the screenplay is a little lacking and david finch's direction is perhaps not as economical as i would have liked but uh technically it's an absolute wonder um it is still a very satisfying and entertaining film um which maybe could have done a little bit more to choke you up but um what is there is still just about effective enough um it's easily worth two hours 45 minutes of your time just because it's a film by david fincher but if you go in with slightly lowered expectations then you're probably going to have a better time um with it and uh yeah i suppose that's about it okay it's uh news time and uh the christian bell thing's not news it's gossip so uh i'm not trying to be high and mighty there but you know it's it was rather incredible i will admit um you know uh, everybody knows about that so i'm not going to talk about it but um you know he's an intense guy he's apologized i think maybe we should just let it go now but um yeah so uh actual news um amber heard uh, mandy lane and all the boys love mandy lane um the girlfriend uh, in pineapple express and uh the apparently completely naked lady in uh the apparently uh, atrocious uh, adaptation of Breast e- uh, brett easton ellis's the informers um has been cast in the rum diary uh johnny depp uh starring as hunter s thompson amber heard starring as uh his lady friend of some sort um i'm sure she's loving that job um i quite like amber heard actually um i think she's got some potential acting chops um i thought she was actually pretty good in all the boys love mandy lane she was one of the better aspects of that film and uh her character in pineapple express was rather redundant i suppose but um yeah i'd I'd like to see more of her um and, yeah, I mean, that's some heavyweight material for her to go with, so, um, obviously, um, other people are, um, thinking that she's, uh, got the chops as well. Okay, uh, moving on to the next one, um, the Green Lantern, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, probably next, um, comic book adaptation has apparently found its director, and that is Martin Campbell. Uh, director of casino Royale um, Martin Campbell um, is quite a uh, he's not really a CG guy um, he does an awful lot of his stuff practically and I mean like casino Royale is a good example of that and it's as the guys on Chuckcom uh, say so uh, the idea of him um, making a big CG spectacular could be i I don't know it doesn't really quite feel like a a fit for me but then again if you'd said like five years ago that christopher nolan director of memento following an insomnia was going to direct a batman film i would have thought what's all that about at the same time so you know um it should be interesting though i think martin campbell's a very competent director he's shown he can uh kickstart franchises as he has twice with um with the bond series so uh that should be uh you know uh, pretty interesting i think to be honest um and yeah i suppose we'll see what happens uh, a lot of these warner brothers uh, comic book adaptations always seem to be up in the air i mean justice league kind of came and then went again so um you never know that might happen with this as well but we shall see and uh Lastly for this week, um, it's a bit quiet what with uh, the New York Comic Con this weekend, I don't think there's a lot of news going on, um, it's being reported that Anne Hathaway is going to be starring in Stephen Chow's new film, this is uh, from SlashFilm.com, um, this film uh, which Chow's going to direct instead of The Green Hornet uh, is apparently some sort of superhero comedy to star Jack Black, and um, there's a quote saying that the fi- uh, the film is going to be a superhero, action-packed, special effects rich and, of course, funny film, which will be similar in style uh, to the over-the-top parody of Kung Fu Hustle. Chao's also going to write the screenplay. He's going to co-star and... Um, That sounds like a very interesting mix. Stephen Chow, Jack Black, and Anne Hathaway. Uh, So we shall see. But that one's definitely got me intrigued. But then the Green Hornet did as well. And on Green Hornet news, um, Seth Rogen said that apparently they are kind of close to finding a new director and still hope to make the release date. But the question at the moment is going to be, a is this gonna happen and B is Stephen Chow still gonna co-star considering that he's decided not to direct? It would seem a bit awkward. But you know, we shall see what happens. So that is it for your film news uh this week. A little bit uh lacking I know, but hey, I can't help it. I don't make the news, I just report it. Uh but I'm sure there will be more next week. I want you all to be alert. I am concerned about matters in St. Nicholas School. Academically? I was not inviting a guessing game, Sister Raymond. What's this, Mr. Conroy? I don't know, Sister. They're all uniformly terrified of you. That's how it works. Boy! Come up here. The dragon is hungry. I was oh, One, two, three. It's a new time, Sister. The church needs to change. The point being? We should be friendlier. Father Flynn, he called Donald Miller to the rectory. So, it's happened. We are going to have to stop him, ourselves. What happened in the rectory? Happened. Hmm. Nothing happened, I had a talk with a boy. What about? Private matter. He's 12 years old, what could be private? Okay, second review of the week is Doubt, directed uh, by John Patrick Shanley. Uh, Doubt stars Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams and Viola Davis. Uh, Doubt is based on the stage play, written also by uh, John Patrick Shanley and deals with a, a school um, run by, uh, nuns and a priest and whatnot, the priest played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, the head nun played by Meryl Streep. When, uh, the priest gives a sermon about doubt, this heightens some suspicions in the head nun's mind that there is something wrong with the priest when one of the younger nuns, probably the youngest nun actually there, uh, played by Amy Adams, um, tells the head nun of some some, uh, some suspicions she has about the priest and his dealings with uh, a young black child who's just enrolled in the school. Uh, Meryl Streep's head nun searches out to find the truth. Okay, so I can't say I was particularly looking forward to doubt. I will say that right now. While I have no uh, problem with religious people as such, people can believe what they believe, and that is absolutely fine by me, um i don't have much faith in organized religion as such and so films about organized religion don't always quite wet my appetite to be honest plus the combination of the fact that the uh the, the film's trailer which at about three minutes long is one of the lo- longest trailers i've seen in recent years um really goes to pains to show that it's going to be a very serious very high-minded drama with uh people shouting at each other and lots of histrionic performances but as it is one of the uh, big hitters at the oscars this year i felt it was kind of my duty i suppose to watch the film and i've got to say i'm absolutely amazed i'm going to say this but for those of you in the uk debating about whether to spend your hard-earned money on doubt or ben button this week i'd go see doubt um it has its problems, which I will get to in a minute, but I found it to be an intensely satisfying, surprisingly enjoyable, and um, very thought-provoking watch, which um, I I really, really was impressed with, I must say. Um, what I wasn't so impressed with, I should just say right now, um, this is John Patrick Shanley's first directorial outing since... Uh, Joe versus the volcano, randomly enough, and that must have been twenty or more years ago now. And he, I don't think he's quite learnt anything in that twenty years, as the direction in the film throughout is rather heavy-handed. Everything, the direction is ra, and it uh, is rather heightened. Windows bash, lightning crashes, bulbs blow out. And while I I, I would imagine that would work uh, in a stage setting, it doesn't quite work in film. Um, One section when this bulb goes out did actually have me chuckling at a moment when maybe you shouldn't really be chuckling. And um, there's also a very odd sequence where Philip Seymour Hoffman's giving a um, sermon uh, which is very much directed at someone, and um, he tells a story and then you see just a couple of random shots of what's going on in the story. Throughout all his other speeches, and anybody's speeches, you never see any of these kinds of cutaways, apart from in this bit. And I'll be honest, I would have much preferred to have focused on Philip Seymour Hoffman, as he's far more interesting than what we're being shown in these cutaways. Um, But saying this, Shanley tells the story very economically i mean i think him writing the screenplay probably helped with this the film clocks in at just under an hour and 45 minutes and so does not feel bloated at all it is a very lean um efficient film which tells its story and gets out but leaves you with plenty to think about and that's one of the things i really really liked about the film this film is not attacking religion in the slightest and I think some people might have been worried about this um while personally i may not have had a problem if it did have a puppet religion at least if it did it in a fair and balanced way the fact that this film is more about what what it says on the tin doubt generally um very very much pleased me um the the film is about human nature it's about why you suspect people of things is it the bare facts or facts as you see them because there's not actually any real hard evidence at all as to prove the nuns allegations or is it because of some other factor it's made clear early on that Uh, The head nun, played by Meryl Streep, is a very old school woman. She doesn't even like people writing ballpoint pens, for God's sake. And I've never even heard of people having problems with ballpoint pens. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is a warm, funny, charming, uh, progressive priest. And one thing I will say, actually, about John Patrick Shanley's depiction of the church is I didn't like the fact. And I mean, this is down to the stage play as well, I mean, I, well, I assume. I didn't like the fact that this progressive priest is the one who's being singled out as being dodgy. Even though I understand that part of the reason why Meryl Street thinks he's dodgy in the first place is because he doesn't hold true to the old school values. But it still felt a little... I would have liked another priest or an, or a nun... Who was also progressive? As I'm not quite sure what message this is sending out, but then again, this film has an uh, has enough negative to say about Meryl Streep's character, almost well almost as much as it does Philip Seymour Hoffman's. You see, this I mean, just talking about it now, this film's got me thinking about certain things, and uh, it, I mean, it, it still has me thinking. I, I, I really really am looking forward to seeing it again. I must say, and I I really did not think I'd say that. Um, In terms of performances, um, Empire's review of Doubts this month picked up on this, but I must echo it. Meryl Streep's performance does threaten to kind of run away with the entire film. Um, Right from the start, she is a force of nature. She is the presence in the film, and even when she is off screen, which isn't too much you still feel her presence which says something about meryl streep's performance but considering the fact that you've got some real acting heavyweights here i mean you've got the old school meryl streep the current kind of legend philip seymour hoffman and like the new blood amy adams um it it felt a little i i i would have liked to have seen some more coming from philip seymour hoffman and amy adams philip seymour hoffman's uh performance is complex but incredibly subtle i love his body language and his just his facial expressions and whatnot it's a very nuanced performance which uh um i know he's been getting nominations and stuff but i i i think he gives a very different performance from meryl Streep's, but it's ev- he's every single bit her equal and um I, I really really enjoyed his performance in this which is kind of weird considering you're, spo- you're talking about a maybe pedophilic priest um amy adams is uh, a little one note she's kind of the innocent who gets over in over her head but she does play the the kind of cute naive person very well but i'd like to see her do more roles than she, uh, as she did in the rather little scene miss pettigrew lives for a day where she kind of plays this bombshell and um which i think she could also do well with she's a very good actress but she's maybe not the best thing about this uh Viola Davis uh who's been getting a lot of acclaim uh, for this as well she's only really in one scene but her scene is uh very very powerful and goes in a in a in a direction you would never ever ever think it does which a lot of this film actually does to the uh uh which is uh, to testament to uh Shanley's ability um but her performance it, it she's so naturalistic and believable that you will go with it if you were told what her character says and does before seeing the film you you'd really really question how they pull it off but she does and um yeah it's very impressive so um overall i've got to say i think doubt may well be my film of the year so far um i would have liked to have seen it um get best uh, best picture nomination at the very least um i think in terms of adapted screenplay i think slumdog millionaire may still get it but um I wouldn't mind seeing this get it at all. It's a it's a very complex and intelligent and really thought-provoking drama, which uh, I I was very very impressed with. It's got great performances, um, despite some faltering direction. Um, this is without a doubt my film of the week. And uh, it, like I said at the start of the re- review, if you told me I'd be recommending this over a David Fincher film um, before seeing the both of them, I would have um, I would have called you crazy. But hey, there you go. Hey bitch. hey bitch! I'm here with Ronnie Barnhart, one of the security guards here at the mall. No, Who uh, me- uh you fucked up, ma'am. I'm I'm the head of mall security. You should do that again and say it right. Come in. It was horrible! I'm Detective Harrison with me police. We're gonna catch the guy that did this. Uh, what? It's clear that this pervert plans to come back here murdering Brandy. Oh my god! Is that going to happen? It? No, it's not going to happen. You can't. Okay, on to this week's trailer talk. And I think because of the Super Bowl last week, uh, there hasn't been a lot of uh, trailer premieres this week just because there was a bit of an overload last Sunday. So uh, we've only got one this week, but uh, I think it's a good one. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, this is the Red Band trailer for Observe and Report uh directed by jody hill who uh directed the uh cult hit which i still haven't seen the foot fist way um observe and report is uh another film with uh seth rogan and even though uh he looks to be playing a bit of a different character in this one uh he plays a uh pudgy uh security gu- uh, cop uh quite like kevin james and paul blart's mall cop i suppose but uh i think that's where the similarities end. Um, when a flasher goes around and does a load of flashing and then uh, runs away in, uh, from his shopping mall, uh, Rogan's character uh, puts it upon himself to find the flasher and so uh, to win the heart of Brandy, played by Anna Farris, a uh, makeup cl- uh, store girl who uh, he rather likes. Uh, in his way though is Ray Liotta's cop who uh, also wants to catch the guy before Seth Rogen's character does uh, Seth Rogen's character gets uh, a bit over his head though as he uh, starts to uh, take on a bit more authority than maybe he should um, sounds like an uh, interesting character for Rogen to play uh, I very much looking forward to the uh, the comic bantering between anna faris and seth rogan uh a bit at the end of the trailer in particular was very funny uh which wasn't in that and uh, it's also a very long trailer it's almost three minutes long but uh it gives you a good idea for how the film's gonna be um just looks very funny i laughed quite a few times during the trailer um i love red band trailers anyway and uh yeah i am officially looking forward to this one um there has been words that warners have had a bit of a uh, problem with the tone about the film but to be fair it looks like uh uh they've kind of sorted it out and just decided to go uh, hard for it uh at the beginning the film's already been rated r so you know uh i think we're gonna have a nice filthy comedy on our hands and that's always good isn't it so uh, that is it for uh, trailer talk this week i'm afraid um i'm I, i'm sure there'll be some more next week uh With Friday the 13th coming out, uh, what is it that is rumoured to be making an appearance on the Friday the 13th trailer reel? There's something big, and that's really annoying that I can't remember, but never mind. Uh, But I'm sure, sorry, that was awful. Uh, I'm sure there will be um, some uh, more good stuff next week, though okay so as i said at the start of the show a little prelude to my review of the remake of friday the 13th next week uh this new documentary about the friday the 13th series his name was jason 30 years of friday the 13th uh which is directed by daniel ferrans and uh has every single director of every single friday the 13th film um i think it's got every single jason and it's got a host of. All sorts of people. Uh, to the list is too long to actually uh, go through, really. But it's uh, it's quite an impressive list of people they've uh, they've got for this. Though Kevin Bacon is no- notable by his absence. Um, so yeah, uh, his name was Jason Friday. Uh, uh, Thirty Years Friday the Thirteenth is a documentary about the Friday the Thirteenth series and talked with all the major players and some of the not so major players about the creation of the series. It uh, rather quickly uh, goes through the origins of the series. Um, It doesn't... Yeah, one of the things about this documentary is that it doesn't really dwell on any kind of negatives. Now, it's widely known that the Friday the 13th series was created as a cheap rip-off of Halloween. But they don't say that in this. And I would have liked a bit more honesty because... They don't really talk about the quality of the films that much either. There is a bit of negativity about uh, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, which incidentally does have my favourite Friday the 13th kill of the whole series, and uh, Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday. Um, There's a bit of negativity about that. I suppose I should say my favourite kill. It's the one with the kid who's the boxer up on the roof uh, when they're in New York, and he punches Jason a lot and then gets really tired and then says take your best shot or something like that and then jason just punches his head clean off that is my without a doubt favorite kill in the friday the 13th series in an otherwise awful film um and yeah the thing is i've got a great affection for these films um for their their incredibly shitty sense of continuity um for how bizarre some of the entries get i mean you've got the james bond homage at the beginning of is it part seven uh i believe uh where or is it part six i think it's part seven um is it oh god uh when um it's like a james bond pastiche and uh jason actually walks along and then swa- slashes with his and then the blood comes down um it's like little moments like that i mean uh jason goes to hell on the final friday it's one of the weirdest entries in a franchise i think i've ever seen where it's revealed that jason is a is some sort of evil parasite that can take over different people or something it doesn't make any sense and um so, I was really quite looking forward to this, but I've got to say, and I think the general reaction seems to be this as well, it's a very disappointing effort, considering the amount of the talent they got for the films. It's nothing more than, than like, just a talking heads, you know, so like, quick 5-10 second clip of someone talking, goes to a clip. Quick 5-10 second Clip of somebody else talking goes to another clip, and it, it 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 just doesn't really have any aim than to just tell you how good the Friday the Thirteenth films are when some of them blatantly aren't. Um, now, what I will say they they the directors made quite a quite a coup here in getting Tom Savini to um, do the kind of linking sections of the film uh, of the documentary, and that's really quite cool actually but then tom savini's never interviewed he did the makeup effects for the first film but he's he's never ever interviewed about it and it just it never feels like that meaty a discussion about the films it's more just like oh wasn't this kill cool Ah, oh, wasn't this kill cool oh freddy uh, jason fucked him up there you know for an hour and a half and that's about it really um, it doesn't go into the m p a a s treatment of the films too much. I think it is mentioned that seven and eight were butchered pretty badly, but it doesn't really talk about much about how or you know um and I suppose maybe the footage is lost now because I know there's a lot of controversy about the uh new paramount d v d editions, not including any of this cut footage. Uh, maybe the footage is gone now, but it would have been nice to have seen it if we could have. You know, I mean, it, wh- where would, have the, would, would the harm have been in that? I mean, that's one of the things that I'm sure people watching this documentary would have liked to have seen. I mean, the thing is, I'm calling it a documentary, but it's nothing more than really fluff. And and kind of promotional fluff as well for the new film. The last ten minutes of this documentary being about the new film. Even though I'm pretty sure we don't actually see any clips from the film. Um, which is quite jarring, really, considering you've got Marcus Nispel, the director of the new one... Uh, talking about it you got the new Jason talking about it you got some of his new victims talking about it and it it, the whole thing feels like an opportunity lost it could have been I hear Peter Brack's uh, book Crystal Lake Memories is an excellent discussion about the series as a whole and it would have been good if it had kind of taken more of a tone of uh, like that but instead you don't really get much stuff about the making of there are a few things about how some of the kills are done which is Pretty cool, but it's just it's so lacking, it's so fluffy, and it just feels so ultimately pointless that the whole thing does feel like both a tie-in for the new film and a cash-in. Like the filmmakers just trying to make a quick buck, and it's really quite a shame. I mean, I suppose to get the the directors involved, maybe you couldn't really talk about how crappy some of the films were but i mean i think all of them have their moments i mean like jason takes manhattan is generally considered the worst of the franchise but it has my personal best kill of the franchise and it just it's very very disappointing um just how kind of pointless this documentary is i mean it's for one, it's one for really really die hard fans only and even, and then if you are a die hard fan you're not going to lose uh, learn anything new about it i mean i'm very interested in picking up this book crystal lake memories but it, it, I, I never could imagine watching this uh, this documentary again. And that's a real shame, considering just how look, um, much I was looking forward to it. Okay, it is listener feedback time, and I've got a couple for you this week. So we shall start with Jason Farrell, uh, who writes in again. Thank you very much, Jason. And he says, uh, with res- uh, regards to my... Talking of Jason Statham as B.A. Baracus uh, last week, he says, Uh, Ian, that's genius. Don't dismiss your stroke of inspiration so quickly. Jason Statham as B.A. Baracus? Why the fuck not? I love it. The only misstep misstep you made was not going far enough. How about this casting? Samuel Jackson as Hannibal. Can't you just see him grinning around with a cigar while delivering the classic line? I love it when a plan comes together. Denzel Washington as Face. Again, why not? They've already made Starbuck into a woman, so I think there's plenty of retcon precedent there. Chris Rock as Murdoch. Admittedly, I'm a bit more shaky on this one, not being a particular fan of Mr. Rock, but I have seen the wild look in his eyes. That tells me that acting nuts might be a good fit for him. him. Uh, I would go see this version of the A-Team, I can tell you that much. If they put Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds and people like that in it, and I seriously doubt I'll bother. My quick impressions on the Super Bowl trailers, Transformers didn't tell me much except that I'll have even bigger robots breaking through buildings amidst screens of tortured metal, doesn't matter, my childhood nostalgia takes care of the rest, I'm in. I used to watch the cartoon of G.I. Joe back to back with the Transformers but I'm nowhere near as interested in it, I think it will be slightly above the level of a Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter movie, I'm out. I agree that year one looks funny. I also agree that Michael Cera needs a new thing. I'm hoping that he comes up with one before Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim comes out because I'm really looking forward to that. In. I'm excited about Star Trek. You can't tell anything from a trailer full of exploding control consoles and whatnot, but I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan who realises that most of it is, uh, is utter shit and I'm eternally hopeful this will pleasantly surprise me. I'm in. Land of the Lost, the special effects. You're so right about the apparent cheapness. Also, though, I've liked Will Ferrell in the past. Um, oh, Land of the Lost, special effects in brackets. Sorry, Jason, I just got that as good. That was good. Uh, that was good. Um, sorry. Uh, also, though I've liked Will Ferrell in the past, I have a feeling he'll just annoy me in this one. Out. I can't get as excited about the Fast and Furious as you. I've never seen any of the previous ones, and the thought of all those quick cuts is already making me nauseous. Also, Vin Diesel equals Big Dopey Moron, who I'd hoped I'd seen the last of, not even in the parking lot. Uh, Good show as always. I enjoyed it even though I have not seen either of the movies you reviewed. I'm pretty sure I'll see Nick and Nora eventually via Netflix. Keep up the good work and talk to you later, Jason Farrell. Thank you very much, Jason. Uh, I believe Nick and Nora came out on DVD and Blu-ray in America um, last tuesday so uh hopefully you'll be able to see it on netflix soon i i know there was a lot of mixed response towards it but i really really dug on it i've got to say and um yeah um but yeah michael sarah does need a new thing and this brings me to scott pilgrim which um i really 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 want to read um i'm gonna get the first volume uh with my pay uh in uh in a couple of uh, in a couple of weeks time and i'm, I'm really looking forward to it uh, for those of you who don't know scott pilgrim uh is edgar wright's next film and is an adapt uh, adaptation of the uh the series of uh scott pilgrim comics which i believe concern scott pilgrim a rocker in between jobs who falls for a girl even though he's already got a girlfriend uh, this girl called ramona flowers who's to be played in the film by mary elizabeth winstead um but to get with her he has to defeat her seven evil exes or, or or something like that and and so it just it sounds like a lot of kooky fun but with a good sense of cool that i think edgar wright could really do something with um the art looks really really nice and um i'm this is that is definitely on my anticipated list um and i feel quite bad i got the dark knight returns for my birthday in august i st- I also got watchmen and i read that um but i'm now reading the subtle knife the second book in the his dark materials trilogy which uh donna got me for uh for um for my birthday i believe or was it christmas it was one of them um so i'm kind of getting around to reading dark knight returns but i've got a feeling scott pilgrim's gonna turn up before i finish subtle knife and then i'll probably go straight to scott pilgrim but there's too much stuff i can't take it so anyway um i like this uh casting for uh the a-team i think jason statham samuel jackson denzel washington and chris rock could be uh one of the best ensembles uh probably uh, very much uh, going up against uh stallone's the expendables but I'd, I'd love to see that it's good work jason um yeah transformers it just hits all the uh, immature buttons in my brain to be honest i know there's a lot of faults with the original film but saying that i think i'm, I'm i think i've seen it maybe five times and uh, i don't get bored of that film so you know hey i know you know that probably rubs up the wrong way with a lot of people but you know we can't always be the same can we uh gi joe yeah it's the trailer looked cool but i think it's got the potential to be absolutely awful uh and i don't trust stephen summers in the slightest um i mean this is the man who directed van helsing so you know um yeah year one does look funny um that's all i can really say about that really um Star Trek, we need to get a trailer with some more story stuff going on. I know why they're not doing it, because it's something to do with an alternate timeline, and J.J. Abrams doesn't want to let the cat out of the bag. But we kind of need to know what it's going to be actually about. Not just, there's loads of action, there's loads of action, there's loads of action, even though you could say that about Transformers, but that was the first footage we've seen from Transformers, so I'll let that go. Same with G.I. Joe. Um and land of the lost yeah it does it just looks so cheap and i know there's a while yet and i'm sure they can fix the cg but even the bit at the beginning with um will ferrell and like this talk show thing it just the set looked awful and it, it just uh I, yeah uh, and um yeah fast and furious i don't know i just i think it's really funny that they're, that they're all back and it's just like the trailer comes up with like massive letters: Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster. I'm, I'm I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people who the film is primarily aimed at, like 15 year old boys, basically, are probably thinking, "Who the fuck are they?" And um, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I just like the fact that they're, they're carving out an April release for it. So, it's a bit of summer blockbuster fun before the summer blockbusters actually kick off. But, you know, we'll see. It's got the potential to be absolutely awful as well. And it's probably not going to be anything mind-blowing, but yeah, we shall see, like I say. So, uh, thank you very, very much, Jason. And we shall move on to the second and last email of the week, which is from Jim Moon. And Jim says... Uh, Hey Ian, thanks for the kind word about my blog. Nice to know somebody's reading it. It's quite alright, Jim. On to this week's feedback. It does seem that Watchmen aside, this year's blockbusters will be, as you say, big fun. On reflection, my hopes for The Dark Knight-inspired intelligence in movies might be a long-range deal, but hopefully we won't have to wait in, uh, years until young cinema-goers blown away by Nolan's work grow up to be directors. Fair point. The unseen Hitchcock marathon sounds great. It's a great idea to concentrate on some of the less talked about films. I've not seen enough, nearly enough of the man's admittedly voluminous uh, output, so this will be an ideal time to catch up. You can't help but help to admire a director who chose the market psycho with the line, please don't give away the ending of our movie. It's the only one we've got. Genius. I really wish I'd paid more attention back in the days when BBC2 were regularly doing Hitchcock seasons. Well, Jim, my apologies then that uh it's not going to be on this uh week uh but i do believe uh that you are a brit if i uh if i'm thinking correctly so you can uh set saboteur to tape on channel 4 this week Uh, details were at the start of the show um as i'm sure you know Um, And, yeah, I mean, I I like your idea about the fact that youngsters blown away by The Dark Knight could grow up to be directors who want to put more intelligence into their blockbusters. Uh, I do hope so, that would be nice. And, I mean, like, I wasn't trying to completely poo-poo your point about uh, intelligence in blockbusters. I mean, the fact is, this summer, we're getting, I mean, in particular, I think, of Land of the Lost, to rag on that again uh we're getting films that were compromised by the writers strike uh land of the lost uh there are rumors that it could have done with a a couple more drafts but they had to stick with what they had while shooting because of the writers strike so um yeah i know that it that was kind of jeopardized by that so um i think our blockbusters this summer are a little bit compromised um which again though is something that did affect quantum of solace as well you know there's the script for that could have done with another couple of drafts but hey and uh yeah that that line for psycho's quality is very very good um so yeah thank you very much jim as always uh great to hear from uh you and jason again and uh yeah like i said last week new folks don't be scared um i love any feedback i get and the regulars are fantastic uh thank you all of you but um you know i don't bite i don't think uh so uh yeah if you want to email or voicemail or whatever please please feel free to do so because um, I'm, I'm i'm not a dick uh, anyway uh that'll do for this week's feedback and i hope to have more next week okay so that is it uh for this week's show thank you very much for listening now i have some uh exciting news uh I'm, i hope you'll agree with me uh, I have been talking with Mike and Paul over at the Fantastic Chinstroker versus Punter podcast and uh, we are going to do a crossover episode. Um, we are going to talk about it more actually uh, this afternoon as I record this, um, so the details are still a little rough, but within the next couple of weeks or so you can expect a crossover episode. It, will be posted on the cinerama feed as well as the chinstroker versus punter feed but it's basically going to be me kind of guesting on their show rather than them guesting on this show um so yeah we shall see uh maybe one day they'll guest on my show as well but um as long as i don't get emails saying what the hell are you doing uh again and uh, you know hopefully it should all work out but um i'm very very much looking forward to it i think it's going to be a great laugh and uh, i hope you guys enjoy it too but uh, yeah it's not going to be uh, uh, in this coming week but hopefully the week after that uh so as as well as that though next week you will get your normal episode of Cinerama, in which i will be reviewing the i'm ridiculously excited for it reboot of friday the 13th Uh, Woody Allen's latest, uh, which comes out in UK cinemas, uh, well it's out in London already, comes out nationwide next week, Uh, the uh, very interesting looking Vicky Cristina Barcelona, and I will also probably be reviewing, as long as I don't get shot in the cinema, um, the notorious B.I.G. biopic Notorious. Uh, hopefully, also movie news trailer talk and listener feedback, just depends on what we have. And uh, defo, 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 the first part of the Alfred Hitchcock Unseen Marathon, taking a look at his 1942 film, Saboteur. Okay, so uh, you can uh, give feedback at Cinerama Podcast at yahoo.co.uk. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Ian Loring. Read me during the week at www.therattle.co.uk. Uh, reviews on iTunes are always muchly, muchly, muchly appreciated as our votes on uh, Podcast Alley. So that will do it for this week. I uh, hope you guys have a good week and I shall speak to you next week. Alright, cheers. Bye-bye.